0: Hey folks, welcome back to the UMass Basketball Show. This one's episode 21. On episode 18, the show was old enough to vote. Now, the show could go out and buy alcohol or grab a drink. Really, growing up is the show here as we continue to crank out the episodes. And I have to thank everybody for tuning in. My name is Cam Seibert, I'm joined by my good friends here, Pablo and Nathan. And Pablo, I know I was barely butchering the name last time, so maybe you'll help me out. I was saying it as Caseno. What is the correct pronunciation?
1: It's, um, <clears throat> sorry, Kiseno. Kiseno. Um, yep.
0: All right. So Pablo Kiseno and Nathaniel Strauss here, another familiar face. And we're talking about UMass's loss last night. I mean, 17 days removed from playing against um, Rhode Island on the road there. They get a huge win on ESPN2. National television, they win 75 to 63. No Trey Mitchell, no Noah Fernandes for that game, as we all know. Probably the biggest win of the season, one of the biggest in a long time under Coach McCall, a lot of people are saying, just in the way he coached that game. Uh, And after that long pause due to the COVID cases on UMass spiking, they get back after it against Richmond last night on the road at Richmond, and they fall 79 to 65. And there's a lot of ways you can take an angle on this game and look at it. A lot of stuff takes place. Trey Mitchell and Noah Fernandes after that resting period were available and ready to go. They did not start in the game. Trey Mitchell plays 22 minutes. Noah Fernandes plays 20. Uh, They finished with nine and three points. So it wasn't necessarily the performance you might be hoping for with these guys returning. Uh, But we'll turn it to our analysts here uh, to break things down. I mean, was that the reason it, do, you, do you look at Trey and Noah as like they needed to have a better game or was it not necessarily on them because of how good UMass played without them the game prior and uh I guess we'll keep things in order Pablo why don't why don't you shoot first with some initial reactions
1: um so some initial reactions i guess were um Trey Trey obviously i mean honestly most of the team just wasn't they they just didn't look right. They looked sluggish on defense. They didn't look like they're really um really p- like performing their plays on offense and getting into their sets. But I mean it just it is just like a dominant game for Richmond and that's to be expected. I mean it's UMass's first game back. Um seventeen days is a long time, I feel like, especially in, in collegiate basketball. Um and yeah, I mean it's just a sluggish performance and I think UMass will definitely bounce back.
2: I I sort of, first of all, Cam, you mentioned that this is episode 21 and that this show is now old enough to drink, and I think that a place where this show could potentially get a drink is at Hot Table Panini, believe it or not. They now serve uh, <laughs> IPAs, so how about that? Yeah. This show is presented by Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, and uh, celebrating its 21st birthday, it might go get a uh, a Swiss steak mushroom with a, uh, a nice cold beverage of the alcoholic variety, so some nice little synergy there between the various elements of the show. But yeah, I thought, I thought there was definitely more of a sign. I think there, there was, there was, there were signs of fatigue, I think, and not physical necessarily, but really mental. Um, and there were a bunch of uncharacteristic turnovers. I mean, UMass estimated 13 turnovers. Ronnie DeGray, who has been more consistent, I think, than most, than most players on this team. He had four turnovers. Uh, and then to be fair, Richmond are one of the best teams in the nation at forcing turnovers. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country. I think they're a top 10 defensive team um, in the steel margin. Jacob Gilliard is the national leader in steals, and he added four more to get above 360 in his career, uh, I believe, which is just ridiculous numbers all around. And, I mean, at the end of the day, Richmond are going to be a tournament team. They're going to be somewhere in that 11-12 band um, come March, most likely. Uh, depending on how they do in their in their last two games I think they have St. Louis and then maybe St. Joe's Uh, but it was a tough I think it was a really tough task because you're coming up against a team that is both very good but also has a very defined uh, play style with the Princeton offense and there was no room for error and UMass just didn't really have that kind of uh that kind of energy and precision i think that they, that i thought they needed but in terms of uh in terms of Trey and Noah i thought they both looked slow as if they were recovering from an injury which uh makes a lot of sense i mean noah in particular looked way off his game um but again it's totally understandable like this these are two guys who haven't played who have only had 3 5 on 5 scrimmages or 2 5 on 5 scrimmages uh since their last um since their last game and not to mention the injuries so I think getting them healthy and getting them back into a game rhythm is probably more important than even winning the game at St. Louis. Making sure that they're ready for whatever matchup comes uh, UMass's way come tournament time. But I mean, Trey Mitchell still showed flashes of what he can do. He had that one really good move where he uh, started by the free throw line, used some fancy footwork, did a little up and under um, to score on uh, I think Golden in that in the in the first half, but. I mean, it was it, this, this game didn't really mean all that much when push comes to shove.
0: Yeah, it was really, like you say, just a chance for the Minutemen to get back on the floor. And although, sure, they look sluggish and maybe not at 100%, it's what you'd expect, right? With the long layover and the pause. And Coach McCall said it after the game. He's not trying to make any excuses. And, I mean, obviously not doing that. But if there was one, it's the fact that you haven't played in a while. And you mentioned how Trey and Noah aren't looking like they're 100%. I mean Noah's dealing with a wrist injury which can never be comfortable especially when you're a ball handling point guard and then Trey dealing with a shoulder injury it's like same thing he's he's constantly banging bodies underneath trying to get positioning and stuff like that you can imagine how that would be uncomfortable still like you say you, you saw some glimpse of classic Trey Mitchell only had nine points but the up and under move will always be there Trey up and under Mitchell as I like to call him at times but so those were kind of the low lights those guys maybe just trying to get back their feet underneath them, and the whole team really trying to get their legs again. But, I mean, to look at some of the highlights, TJ Weeks is at the top of the box score, had played 31 minutes, 14 points, and then leading scorer for UMass on the game was DeAndre Dominguez in an efficient 18 minutes on the court, 5-7 of shooting, hit 1-3 of from downtown, all four of his free throws, two rebounds. DeAndre, this was a big coming-out game for him. He's kind of had very limited minutes coming off the bench, hasn't necessarily even played in every game, Um, But for him to come in, give a little spark for UMass, go for 15 points. Coach McCall said it after the game. He really liked his effort out there. And it's almost like what Cairo did in the last game um, against URI, where he came in and had like a double-double, was an energy guy, just gave the spark that UMass needed without Trey and without Noah. Now, DeAndre, this game, goes for 15 points. Sure, they don't get the win. But, I mean, what did you think about DeAndre's performance to come off the bench and to give that kind of spark? Maybe something to look at going
2: forward? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think uh, that kind of energy is is really impressive. Um, We know that there are guys on this team who can make big energy plays. Like Javon Garcia made some energy plays in that Rhode Island game um, with his blocks and athleticism and sort of fearlessness to challenge guys who are a lot bigger than he is. Um, And then DeAndre, he has hit a couple of really big threes over the course of this year, including one in the Rhode Island game. And then last night, I mean – he got rewarded once he got in that game. He played 18 minutes, which is more than he's been averaging all season. He was 5 of 7 from the field. He hit a deep 3, like 3 or 4 feet behind the arc. Uh, and we know from the videos that his dad posts on Twitter that he's oh, yeah. really he's been really working on that 3-point stroke um, ever since, I like, guess, senior year of high school. Uh, or prep, rather. And uh, he looks pretty good, and I think that's the kind of guy who he can be. I think there's definitely room for him to mature physically physically. Uh, We saw a couple of times he got really just bodied uh, defensively, like in the post. Um, And he's you know he's a tall, skinny guy. Like that's sort of what's going to happen. And I'm sure he's one of the guys who I think the coaching staff is really excited to have over four years. Um, And I think that's the big thing that that I can take away right now from last night is that like even if you know maybe Carl Pierre doesn't come back, you lose Mark Gasparini, this team is still incredibly young. Um, you know, one of the youngest in the country, and they were going up with one of the oldest teams in the country and and the oldest team in the conference. And uh, you sort of saw that last night. And you have to think that the ceiling for some of these guys is far higher than what we've been able to see this year, given, you know, the pauses and also just where they're at physically and mentally. So, again, I think that the potential of guys like DeAndre was on full display.
0: Pablo, do you have anything you want to throw in there?
1: Um yeah i i thought he he played really well um i can't really comment on you know exactly i mean i haven't really watched most of the season as you guys know this is my first game um so but for me it felt like he he should have been on the floor more um and i feel like hopefully coach McHale really plays him more going forward because honestly he' was, he was probably the best out there along with t j weeks who who had uh who played great on offense and defense. So, and I also thought TJ Weeks should have gotten uh, more chances to really attack the basket, um, and 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 really just more plays drawn up for him. But
0: yeah. yeah, and I I definitely agree. I feel like TJ that's an underappreciated part of his game: his ability to get to the rim and to draw fouls and get to the free throw line. He only went to the line one time last night, but I mean, when his three point shot isn't going, he's more than capable of finding his shot near the basket and. Something else I kind of wanted to just highlight is that, yeah, I mean, for a comeback game after such a long layover for UMass, Richmond was probably not the opponent you wanted to go against. Just such a sound team offensively with the backdoor cuts and the ball movement and some of their bigs just being exactly that, like just very down to the floor. Bigs, they're not stretching the floor by any means, playing underneath, and they kind of just play classic basketball. like, Like you said, Nathan, with the Princeton offense and the ball movement stuff, I just think... That was probably not the best opponent to go out and play on your first matchup, especially on somewhat short notice. Um, so the Minutemen do fall, 79-65. It was still a pretty good showing, and we'll continue to break it down. But it's UMass basketball show, episode 21. And uh, we're just kind of rolling along here. It's Today is Wednesday. UMass will play another game on Monday against St. Louis right before the, they will take straight from that game, actually. They'll stay the night and then go right to... Uh, I believe, Virginia for the A-10 championship. So it's about to get pretty busy for the Minutemen. And if you're, if you're listening to the show, we got 30 minutes here looking at the, the games from last night and kind of recapping where things stand. And then coming up in the second half, we'll have a couple new faces and we'll start to look ahead at that St. Louis game and maybe even the future for the tournament, just kind of how things might shake out in the future for UMass. Uh, but we got a couple more minutes here before the break. And I have an important topic that I want to get to in the second half. But just here in the first half, I think we're talking about Noah Fernandes. And I mean, he didn't have the best game last night. Still trying to come back from an injury. Cairo doesn't score in the nine minutes he plays. But Javon Garcia is obviously that second guard, the yin and yang there with Noah Fernandes. More of a, a, a facilitator and ability to get to the rim, I guess, uh, and score when he gets there. Javon Garcia, he's got 10 points last night, four assists, didn't have any turnovers. So a pretty sound game from your guard does hit two of Ford from downtown I'm wondering like with him and with TJ and the conversation I kind of want to get in on the second half I don't think we have too much time with Carl it's like you guys are talking about how you maybe would like to see some of these players get a couple more minutes and I apologize because we're getting pretty close to the 15 minute mark but what do you I mean who might be some of the players that should grab more minutes is it TJ like do you want to see a little more I mean 31 minutes is plenty but is there somebody that that maybe it's DeAndre that you you maybe talk about more that you want to see maybe getting a couple more minutes out there?
2: I mean, I, I first of all, I think Trey and Noah on a normal night probably should be playing thirty-five minutes a game, and yep. last night the two of them combined for forty-two, so there aren't going to be as many minutes. And I think it's important that guys like Javon Garcia sort of maintain that thirty-minute per game kind of average um, because I think you know Javon in particular is such a good combo player. Um, And I think he's going to be really important as the sort of second primary ball handler when in a set with Noah and Trey. Um, And I I think Ronnie DeGray and and, uh, DeAndre Dominguez are the next guys up. Um, We haven't seen that much from Cairo. I think he's probably better suited as a guy who comes off the bench. But DeAndre with his length and Ronnie with his physicality and ability to stretch the floor from the four. He's generally a pretty good three-point shooter. Um, He was not a good three-point shooter last night, but I think he generally provides that length and he can be a matchup problem as well. So I think that's how I would allocate the minutes. And I also just think there's a general insistence of uh, sort of trusting that people can shoot their way out of slumps. And I don't mind that in general, um, but in a season, when in crunch time in the season, I think it's important that you... you, uh, Look to replace guys on the court when the shots aren't falling.
0: right. And yeah, you make a great point. Those two guys really kind of do feel like the future of UMass and talk about how Richmond doesn't necessarily have the players to stretch the floor underneath. That's what UMass does have this year almost up and down the lineup. really, yeah, I think that's safe to say that everybody on the team can shoot a three can stretch the floor uh, and do those kind of things that kind of I feel like are the future of basketball with how things look now. It's not so much about the the fundamental Richmond style. It's more so about putting up more shots than your team, putting up more threes and kind of winning the percentages there. Something that UMass is kind of headed towards the the philosophy that Coach McCall likes is more possessions, obviously keeping the tempo up. Um, But we'll take an early break here, right? I mean, we're really cruising along with this thing. I like the way the conversation's going right now. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Like I say, UMass basketball show episode 21. We'll take a very short break here, get a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, I got an interesting topic for you, so don't go anywhere. For more than 25 years, residents in the Five College area have been getting food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Almost every local spot in downtown Amherst is available to eat without having to leave your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at DeliveryExpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413 five four nine zero zero seven seven hot table panini located on route nine in hadley is just a few miles away from the umass campus hot table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads for over a decade hot table has been serving paninis for customers all across the pioneer valley customers can order in store or by using the hot table app to order for delivery Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. Welcome back, folks, to the UMass Basketball Show, episode 21. Nathan told you about Hot Table in the first half. Well, how about Delivery Express? You just heard about him in that commercial. But don't forget... This program is presented by Delivery Express, and they've been serving the Five College area since 1990, well before I was born. These guys have been around, and customers can order from 85-plus restaurant locations throughout the Pioneer Valley. They have offices in Amherst, Northampton, and Springfield. You can find more information at their website, deliveryexpress.com, or you can give them a ring, 413-549-0077. Really appreciate their support of WMUA and the show. We'll keep things rolling along here. mentioned it right before that break, an interesting topic I want to get to. And it's an interesting, it, it, like I say, it's an interesting one. It's, it's tough, right? I mean, Carl Pierre and coach head coach Matt McCall have been together now since both of their starts. Carl comes in as a freshman. McCall comes in as a coach. Now four years down the line, the only two remaining from that start. They're both loyal to each other and that whole thing. But when you look at Carl and sometimes the way he's been playing as of late last night, 3 of 13, 0 of 6 from downtown uh only one turnover 7 points 4 rebounds i think the thing about carl is like even though even when he's not scoring the ball like maybe last night like he's he's struggling shooting the rock he is just such a trustable player on both ends of the floor like you know he's not going to be making major mistakes or poor shot selection i think on defense he's fairly solid at most times um in the way he was scoring last night was getting to the rim i think that's where he's seen a lot of improvement in his game The question i kind of want to pose to you guys and nathan maybe you could uh answer this one first is i mean does something need to change there carl with 37 minutes led the team and obviously wasn't having the best game does something need to change there with coach mccall is it a is that just it is it just that coach mccall is too much loyalty to carl which is probably deserved right like i mean this guy's been around and he's been doing everything right he's mr umass i don't mean to say that he doesn't deserve these minutes but does something maybe need to get looked at a little closer and Does someone else need to get some opportunities when Carl is struggling like this? Almost TJ, I feel like is his counterpart, who was having a pretty good game, did play uh, plenty of minutes. But in the past, there's been conversations of that where TJ might be deserving of more minutes. And I don't know, just when Carl is struggling, do you do you feel like it's better to just leave him out there because of what I was saying? Like he's not a big mistake maker and he's pretty solid on both ends, even if he's not scoring. Or does it become time to maybe give somebody else a chance to get in there uh, and try to make something happen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, Carl started the game really, really well. He had that dunk in like the first mm-hmm. three or four minutes, and that was very sort of uncharacteristic. Like, I don't think of him as the kind of guy who, uh, excuse me, gets to the rim with all that much consistency. And I think he also is one of the guys who really competes on the defensive end. Right. Um, And I think all of this comes back to the fact that UMass is such a young team. He's one of two guys who's a senior or a grad student this year. And, you know, he is the captain. And so I think it's it's pretty fair for him to be getting a lot of those minutes in the late game. What I will say is when he's having a night that's so clearly off from a shooting perspective, you know, three of 13 from the field, oh, six from behind the arc. I think it's fair for a coach to say, look, we'll keep you out there. But, you know, these probably aren't your shots to take. And you look at TJ, it looked like he was really finding his stroke last night. You know, he was hitting some pull up threes, sort of a la freshman year TJ. And uh, even though that cooled off a little bit in the second half, I think I would have I would have preferred to see him. T- it's I think it was, it's more a question of shot selection than it is, you know, being on the court, uh, right. especially with Noah, um, you know, being on Noah and Trey really being pretty limited in their minutes.
0: Yeah, it's a tricky thing because, by I mean, like I really like Carl. He's just a respectable guy. He does everything right, everything by the book. He's the captain of this team for two years now. He's got his name in the record books. Like he is really Mr. UMass. He embodies that all together. Uh, so it's difficult to want to look, to to see him have a tough night and be like, well, does that mean maybe he should just, yeah shoot less? I guess is kind of how you're seeing it. And Pablo, do you have anything you want to throw in there on Carl and and whether or not there might be need, needing to change some things there with his minutes or. I don't even know. It's such a, I hate even bringing it up as a conversation, but do you have anything you wanted to throw in there, Pablo?
1: Yeah. Um. So, you know, I'm looking at his stats for the season Um. and, you know, he's playing 34 minutes a game, almost basically 35, which is uh, leading the team. And then, you know, he's scoring 13 points. But what's alarming to me is that his field goal percentage is 34%. And from three, he's shooting only 30%. Now, like I said, um, I'm a UMass transfer student, so don't take this, you know, take this as a grain of salt. Um, because, you know, I mean, these these numbers aren't great. Um, now, like you said, he's a pretty – it looked like he's a pretty solid defender, and I could see that last night. Um, but, you know, I, I really liked what I saw from TJ Weeks last night. I mean, it, if if I'm the coach, I'm giving him more minutes or at least, you know, evenly splitting between these two. Um and even maybe mix, mixing in some other guys like uh, uh, Cairo, um, you know, like I said, I haven't seen much of them play, but I think, you know, TJ Weeks definitely looked like he deserved more minutes. I'm looking now and it's 21 minutes um, for the season, a game. And I feel like he uh, he definitely looks like somebody that, could, that, that should be out there more um, on the floor.
0: Yeah. I, it, sorry to cut you off, Nathan. I just want to qualify too by saying like this is all on the surface and if you look Underneath, like you see, the T, like TJ has been struggling with an injury, his ankle was kind of banged up a little earlier in the year. Like, there's so much more that goes into this conversation. Obviously, we're just having an on the surface conversation, so I don't mean to cut you off, Nathan, but just there's always stuff underneath. Like, everybody's really been dealing with injuries, and you just never know what else is going on behind the scenes. Uh, but I didn't mean to cut you off, Nathan. Sorry about that.
2: Well, no, I think you asked the question about sort of loyalty and whether or not it's it, it, coach McCall feels a lot of loyalty towards Carl as one of his first recruits and sort of the guy who stuck around. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing just because he did stick around and he is the captain and the senior, and there are games when he will produce,
3: mm-hmm. but it's
2: all about not being in a place where you're relying on one guy to hit shots. Um, right. because what happened in the Rhode Island game is everyone was hitting their shots. You know, Carl was hitting shots. Deandre came in, hit a big three, uh, javon had a great game and last night it looked like they were just really you know relying on carl pierre to to hit shots and he ended up taking more shots than anyone else on the team and when that doesn't happen i think the loyalty question gets brought up and um but you know you i just think people need to temper their expectations a little bit
4: mm-hmm. and
2: i also think with that comes you know maybe a responsibility on carl to not try and shoot himself out of slumps
0: yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I, I like the way you kind of phrased it. If 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 there is a slump going on and he's struggling on any given night, maybe you don't have to take him out of the game. You don't have to limit his minutes, but like you said, just work the offense through somebody else. And I think another, it's like it's usually working through Trey Mitchell, and we're not, we obviously talked about it a little bit, but Trey Mitchell had an off night last night, so that puts the onus on someone else, and it's probably going to be your your captain, your your guy who's got the most experience and. Like you said, too, he started the game pretty well late into the shot clock, was forced to put up some shots that he was making at the start of the game and just kind of started to slump ever since. So I don't know. It's an interesting conversation with Carl and I agree. I mean, like I said, nothing but respect for the guy. He's just done everything by the book. He's a leader by example, I think, which always is something you can respect out of anybody. Um, So I want to see him succeed. Don't get me wrong. Like I want this guy to score every time he shoots. It's just a a matter of, I mean, you got to start to question it at times, but it wasn't all on him last night. It was a team thing. And I think it's what we were talking about. The legs just weren't there for UMass. You got to understand, too, they only practiced, I think, twice before this game in five on five like one practice on Friday, didn't practice Saturday. They traveled. Like, I think they only practiced two or three times as a team before this game. And I mean, that's just not a whole lot of time to prepare. There's been five instances, I think five games where they've had a week uh, of a break in between throughout this season. So that's just like ridiculous stuff that doesn't happen. Any other year, so there's just like I say, we're talking about stuff on the surface, but underneath it, there's so much more going on, so much more adversity that these guys are dealing with. It's much more than just whether or not a player should get more minutes and stuff. There's more that goes into it, but I think it's been a great show. I, I like that conversation. Uh, I like the way you guys looked at it. Nathan really like what you're saying about it. maybe not necessarily cut the minutes, just look to score through somebody else on the offense. Uh, but the one, the one other thing we wanted to talk about here, and it's it's definitely another interesting conversation. You look at the starting lineup from last night and probably had a lot to do with the injuries for Trey Mitchell and Noah Fernandes and the way that the team played without them uh, in the game prior against URI. They don't start, though. Trey Mitchell, for the first time in his career, came off the bench. I'm wondering, what do we f- I mean, the starting lineup has changed quite a bit throughout the year. The one that was pretty set in stone was Noah, Trey, Debaji, Carl and Ronnie for the- for a good little bit there. And that one was working out. Now we've seen it change a few times what might be the uh, the all the above all starting five that we'd like to see going forward? Like if when it, it comes to the A-10 tournament and you got to throw five guys out there, who, who would you like to see is the, the five stepping out on the court?
2: So Noah and Trey, I think, are the non-negotiables. I would probably go Noah, Trey, Javon, Ronnie, and one of uh, TJ or, or DeAndre at this point um
0: so say that again no carl did you say
2: yeah no carl i would say i would say noah you know i'll I'll make up i'll make a i'll make up my mind noah trey uh tj ronnie and uh javon javon yeah so it's it's a little it's a little it's a little smaller than i think you you might like um but you can also put carl in over tj for a little bit of extra size or you could you know bring DeAndre in off the bench early. But I definitely think Javon needs to be starting, um, just given what he adds to the team on, on all levels.
1: What What would you guys um, think about Dominguez uh, starting? Just Just wondering.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. I think it's a little late in the year for him. He's might not be with the experience enough to do it, but I don't think it would be too detrimental. I mean, when I look at it, I mentioned what the starting five was for a good little bit there that was kind of working out. I think that was probably one of the best starting fives you could have just with the way Dabaji Walker was uh, as a defender. Now, obviously, undergoes surgery and he won't be with the team this year. It's unfortunate. But I like that one you just you just put together there, Nathan. I think you're right. Noah and Trey are pretty much non-negotiable. I think Carl should stay in the starting lineup. I think he's, he's just solid in that way. And you need him out there as a kind of a court general at times. You see when. There's a foul on the floor or something. Carl's the guy who rounds everybody up to get a quick team huddle in to just make sure everybody's on the same page. I think that stuff is really important, even if maybe he's not scoring the ball uh, on any given night. So I think I'd be Noah Trey. You had TJ. I think I'd take TJ out, have Carl. I like I like TJ coming off the bench. I think he provides the spark that EMAS kind of needs. And Javon, kind of the same thing. I think he's nice coming off the bench. So Noah Trey, Carl, I agree. Ronnie should stay in the lineup. And then you kind of have another open position for a guard wing type player. So maybe that's where DeAndre Dominguez slots in for you, Pablo. But I don't know. It's really, it is kind of a tricky one because I like to have Javon and TJ coming off the bench, but I think one of them has to get the start. So I agree. I think Javon makes a pretty good fit there. And him and Noah on the court together makes for other guards to have a lot to think about and a lot to to prepare for and defend. So I don't know. There's a lot of ways you could look at it. But I think for me, it'd be Noah Trey, carl ronnie and javon yeah so a little bit more of a small lineup same thing as you actually nathan as i'm trying to or no i take tj out i put carl in and i'm sure that this sounds just absolutely nonsensical like i'm a maniac sorry about that but i don't know it's interesting stuff like it's got to change with some of the injuries and the time off pablo did you have did you come up with one that you think would be set in stone Is, is deandre making the list
1: i think uh DeAndre, maybe, but that's maybe you start him against a certain team that it makes sense uh, against, because since he's a a skinnier uh, build, let's say, with um, a lot of length, maybe it could work against um, work against some teams. But I I think I would go with Nathaniel's um, uh, starting five. I would definitely have TJ in there um, over Carl, but that's just based off of my experience of watching one game. So, yeah, um, we'll see Uh, how that opinion changes later on.
2: Speaking of which, you guys want to know a fun fact? I would
0: love. I love fun facts.
2: You know, my name is not actually Nathaniel. It's just Nathan. yeah. I was <laughs> gonna say I put I put your name in the
0: in the group <laughs> thing as Nathaniel. I love Abablo oh, just read it like that. No, I know so your um, name's yeah, not even Nathaniel. No,
2: it's not Nathaniel. It's just Nathan. Uh, it's so funny because like Jay Burnham will just call me Strauss, um, which is what I went by for like most of high school too. So it's very funny to see how people give me nicknames because I feel like cam you're just so easy like we just call you cam or like cyber
0: you know yeah. I always kind of wished I was camden instead of camren I met a camden one time I was like oh that's pretty cool
2: camden cam. cyber sounds like the name of a yeah. uh of like a, a, a professional golfer
0: yeah and I mean like I'm trying to maybe make a career on tv I've thought about having to change my name somebody told me one time it's like too cultured or something and
2: I kind of nah, like, if you uh, I mean before changing your name I think you'd have to get a little bit of extra height instead So.
0: Ouch! Oh my gosh! I'm a little guy. That's <laughs> you know, says, says, kidding, Cam. Just getting big Cam. pal. It's all love.
1: I've, I've, your uh, I've thought about changing my my name, my last. Instead of saying my last name, just going by my my first name and middle name because my middle name is Santiago, and it feels like it's a lot easier to uh, to pronounce, obviously, and I think a little bit more attention grabbing than Kiseno since I don't know most people can't even say it. Like I'm I a like graduation. People called me Kiseno. I like uh, it, though, Pablo. And I, I mean, like
0: the first name, Pablo. Be- I think not to be like, I don't know if this is bad connotation for you, and you probably have heard this, but like the backyard baseball Pablo is like instantly what I think of and just, I don't know, I think like it's a positive connotation with that name always because of that.
1: Pablo's oh. the goat. He's Yeah, just the yeah, goat. Pablo Pablo Santiago. That's what I, I was thinking of going by, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, what's Pablo and literally baseball's last name? Why can't I think of it? Pablo, is it just Pablo? Yeah. The shortstop? You guys know who I'm talking about, right?
2: Yeah, of course. He was he was the one with like five star everything. Pablo Sanchez.
0: Yes, Pablo Sanchez. What a legend. Uh, We got another legend named Pablo here, though, and we're getting to the end here. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up as we kind (laughs) of get off on a tangent talking about (laughs) backyard baseball, which really is a great game. Uh, But otherwise, I think it was a a great first half of the episode. Stay tuned because we got another half coming up. We just talked about what has been happening. Now we're going to look ahead into what could be happening. Uh, in the near future for umass basketball so don't go anywhere but want to thank these guys for coming on the show nathan and pablo really good stuff Uh, like i say stick around for the second half and we'll be right back after a little break here
4: During these hard times, the UMass International Programs Office is still here to help students thinking about studying abroad. The deadline for 2021 spring semester study abroad applications is November 1st. Students can visit the Virtual Advising Center at umass.edu slash IPO slash Education Abroad to begin exploring options for spring 2021, as well as for the 2021 to 2022 academic year. Once again, the site is umass.edu slash IPO slash Education Abroad.
0: For more than 25 years, residents in the Five College area have been getting food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Almost every local spot in downtown Amherst is available to eat without having to leave your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at DeliveryExpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077.
4: Let's go
1: back, 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 back,
3: back,
0: back. All righty, folks. Welcome back to Mass Basketball Show episode 21. We're in the second half here and we're changing up the roster a little bit. Still your host here, Cam Seibert. Got my good friends Kyle Miller and Joey Alaberti joining the show and talked about kind of the past in that last part. We're going to look now towards the future somewhat here, but first things first, how's everybody doing? What's going on? I mean, the campus, where did it go from elevated back to high? So I don't know what's what's been going on, Joe. I know you're at home. How's the how's the home life
5: treating you? Um, so I feel like it's better than being on campus just because I have some sort of freedom that I don't have to stay in like one dorm room and be confined to that for forever. Certainly. Unless you're obviously off campus, but it's obviously not ideal because it's not like I'm really doing anything anyway. I'm just kind of going out to like get food or something and then coming back and then seeing like one friend and then coming back. So it's, it's, uh, boring to say the least, but. I don't know, I'm I'm I'm
3: managing just like everyone else is.
0: Totally feel that. Kyle, you're at home as well,
3: right? What's, I'm actually um oh, well, yeah. I'm recording from home right now, but I am off campus in general. But
1: Okay. Yeah, it's definitely
3: not it's definitely still a little boring, but there's hope now that the restrictions have lifted, I kinda see the light at the end of the tunnel. Just to hope let's hope everyone's safe, wear their masks, social distancing.
0: Absolutely. Right. Got to be wearing the mask. Got to be social distancing. I think oftentimes people don't really appreciate the six foot rule. It's I don't know. Some people don't follow that, but we'll get back to the basketball talk here on the show. And like I say, we're looking ahead towards the future a little bit. I think before we kind of do that, I want to get your guys' takes from last night and like I say, kind of frame it towards what needs to maybe change for UMass looking forward obviously talked about it in the first half they take that loss to Richmond last night 79 65 and I really think a lot of it had to do with UMass just being rusty and having a break leading into this they didn't have a lot of time to prepare and get practice and get their feet under them Um, but what what might be some things that you take away from that game last night that might need to change or they need to improve on uh, as they look forward to this matchup with St. Louis on Monday
5: I feel like another thing that you um, you missed in kind of I guess not really excuses for UMass, but kind of reasons for why they played the way they did. Injuries is yeah, injuries and the fact that Trey Mitchell only played twenty two minutes. Um, Noah Fernandes nineteen, so obviously that's gonna play a factor because those are arguably the two best players on the team and two most impactful, other than Carl Pierre, who's probably in that top three as well. But I think in in general, being able to kind of mesh those two back in while also because I, one of the things that stood out to me was the eleven to thirteen, I think it was assist to turnover ratio last night, and I think that was m- like mostly due to the fact that Noah Fernandez just wasn't as much of a factor as he usually is, because he's usually the catalyst that leads that um, offense and playmaking, especially, and he's always that uh, shock uh, shock creating, I guess, but not not for himself, but kind of the engine of the and- offense, yeah, exactly. So even with think- the steering
0: wheel and Trey Mitchell's the engine, but yeah.
5: yeah exactly so having those two back and healthy i think is going to be a huge factor and then other than that i don't i don't know i guess there's better better shooting and better shot selections at times because i feel like that can get iffy with this young group and composure i feel like against especially against a a veteran group like richmond was really on on showcase last night richmond was the much more composed team last night
0: yeah gotta get Some more composure. I I agree with the shot selection stuff, Kyle. I mean, obviously, the big thing, too, is they got to get their legs back underneath them. Hopefully, some practice time will help and they can get to running, get those suicides going, whatever they have to do. Uh, For you, Kyle, was there any main takeaway, something that they could try to improve on?
3: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, obviously, we saw with Rust, and I think another thing with Trey Mitchell, you know, this is his first time he came off the bench for the first time in his UMass career. And and, um, when you're not used to that, you're doing that for the first time. It's kind of an adjustment. Obviously, he's not going to be coming off the bench for the rest of the season, I would assume, unless injuries are an issue. But yeah, Russ, you know, they shot 7-27 from 3. You know, if you want to shoot 27 threes, you got to make more than 7. 19 turnovers, a lot of rust that I saw. But if we do better shot selection, take care of the basketball a little more, I think UMass will be all right.
0: Yeah, just tighten things up a little bit. And that's that game. We'll leave that one in the past. I'm sure UMass will be doing the same thing. Trying to prepare now for... Really, one of the more touted matchups all year long. This is the third time it's been on the schedule, but it'll be the first time it actually gets played. They go to play St. Louis on Monday, and when you look at this matchup, it's really probably the the most high-powered offense in the A-10 for UMass against one of the better defenses in the A-10 for St. Louis. St. Louis, just a really experienced team up and down the lineup. Very likely that they play in the tournament. They were on a huge pause to start their year, so they're not necessarily strangers to that idea. Uh, but, I mean, as we take a look at this game, we'll go to Joey, our guest, our chief analyst, our chief scout, <laughs> who's always looking into some of the players. Kyle, I know you got stuff that you want to get off the chest. Joey, we'll go to you first. I mean, what are what are some of the keys to this game? Who are some players, I guess, for St. Louis, for those that don't know that you need to be paying attention to?
5: Yeah, so for St. Louis, they're led by the three seniors in Javante Perkins, Jordan Goodwin and Hassan French. Jordan Goodwin, I think, is... One of the most impressive, you could argue, just for the fact that he's a 6'3 guard that is basically a walking double-double. And I i mean, he did it last year against UMass, I'm pretty sure, and had double-digit rebounds, and he's done it all year this year. Um, he actually last night had 16 and 12 rebounds. Just the fact that he's doing that, and he's kind of, kind of their leader, slash like a, a Jacob Gilliard for Richmond. Yep. He's kind of in that role where he might not be the most prolific scorer but he is probably their best all-around player. And their most prolific scorer is Javante Perkins, who before the break, I'm pretty sure, was shooting 54% from three, and he was just electric and kind of leading that St. Louis team into the the reason why they were so highly ranked. Obviously, um, Jordan Goodwin and then Hassan French was also helping out with that. Hassan French had 21 points last night, and overall, I think he's just a big man presence that, Kind of fits the college game perfectly. Just really physical, and he's not even that tall. I think he's around six seven, but he's just built like a truck. And he's he's been their main post protector or main paint protector, I should say, for the for the season. So St. Louis is led by those three guys, and then they have some good players around them, in Yuri Collins and Gibson Jimerson that kind of support those three main guys and make them a real threat to be a uh, like. Honestly, if they were to make the tournament, I would not be surprised if they won a couple games and made a little noise.
0: Yeah, I totally feel that. I mean, those are kind of some of the players to watch. A lot of familiar, some familiar faces from last year. And you mentioned Hassan French. Trey Mitchell didn't have too much of a problem last year against Hassan French, went for 24 points and then 20 points in the second meeting. So, I mean, if he can get a little more time to get healthy, hopefully you'd have to expect him to have a better game, I guess, than he did last time out. Again, I think that's all subject to whether or not he can get healthier and start to feel better. But those are some of the players to watch. And then in terms of play style and kind of what to expect and how UMass might counter it, Kyle, what are you, what are you kind of thinking about St. Louis and the Billikens?
3: Well, the Billikens, the one thing they like to do is they like to run. Travis Ford has a very transition heavy um, style. Every time they get the ball, they have two guys in transition looking to run In the half court set. They're very good in ball movement. They're one of the best teams in the country for assist about top five, top 10 team in the entire nation. And um, that's what we're going to have to do. Every player on the team, they very unselfish play style, you know, shooters like Gibson and Yuri Collins, their starting point guard averages about six assists per game on defense. This is where I think UMass might have to take advantage because their interior defense hasn't been great. I know you talk about uh, French for a little bit, but if you can get the dribble drive penetration because their rotations are a little slow. So you look for Fernandez to try to get inside and, then dish it off, dish it off to Trey Mitchell, try to get baskets there. Overall, I think that if we can slow slow them down on the transition and on defense, we can try to attack the basket, maybe not shoot 27 threes this time, a little less, more inside, there's a good chance for UMass to take it here.
0: Yeah, it's two really strong offenses. I mentioned how UMass might have the most high-powered offense in the A-10, and that's definitely an argument you can make. St. Louis is averaging just a few points less than UMass, but the thing they're doing much better than UMass is playing defense. They're only allowing 64 points a game to their opponent on average, and I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one. And I think, yeah, like UMass is going to have to shoot the ball well. They they can play defense and try to hold St. Louis to low points, but you know St. Louis is going to do the same. So you have to shoot the ball well. And you mentioned the three point shooting was from last game. Not necessarily the percentage. I think Coach McCall wants to see. He's happy with his team taking threes in high volume, but got to see some more of those shots fall I really though am excited for this game it's one that I think everybody has kind of been circling on the schedule and then xing out as it continues to get postponed (laughs) and canceled finally with fingers crossed it should be going down on Monday and that'll be leading UMass right into the tournament where really they're trying to find some momentum here in these last two games they don't have a chance of falling below 500 or even to 500 with their record now and only one more game left on the schedule but it's just a matter of grabbing some momentum going into the tournament, and there are some some things at stake in terms of seeding, and we'll try to get into that as best we can. It's a really interesting year, obviously, with the way that that's all shaking out, uh, but to continue to dive into St. Louis and kind of what's been going on with them, they haven't played a whole lot of conference games, and for a while there, there was talks about how they were kind of shooting themselves in the foot and the A-10 in the foot. By, by losing to some of their own conference opponents, but having won against some of their difficult uh, opponents in the non-conference, it's just like a whole... It's an interesting thing, uh, the way St. Louis have gone about this year, but when I mean, you look at the way they've played as of late, lost to VCU really, really close game on Tuesday uh, last night. They lose by two points. They have lost to Dayton in pretty handily fashion, so they're coming off a couple losses. Uh, they'll play Richmond on Friday before the game on Monday. That'll be a pretty good measuring test after UMass just played Richmond as well. So you might pay attention to that to try to get some more information uh, on the game against UMass. But it'll be down at Chaffetz Arena in St. Louis if that makes any difference, too. You mentioned how Travis Ford was the coach at UMass before going over to St. Louis. So there's just always a lot of history behind this game. I think these two teams match up really, really well. And last year, Donovan Holden and myself were able to travel down to that game in St. Louis. The building was packed with screaming, 8,000 screaming fans made UMass made that great comeback in the end and I believe ended up losing it in overtime. So I, I don't know. I, th- I just think these two teams match up really, really well. But in terms of other things that maybe you're looking for UMass to improve upon from last game, what are we thinking?
5: Um, you said UMass? Sorry, I was kind of yeah, I was yeah. thinking yeah. about I know, saying... I also, up, I'm
0: just talking too much.
5: <laughs> I just wanted to add in really quick the fact that in that really close loss to VCU, VCU was out, was without their main player in Nashawn Bones Highland. So a very impressive win for VCU and also a little concerning for a a St. Louis team that I I just like talk so highly about, but I still have that high regard, but still a little concerning um, in that sense. But I think like I was saying before about shot selection and kind of in the future, if UMass wants to have success in the A-10 postseason, there's going to need to be consistency from behind the arc. And that really hasn't kind of formulated itself all year. Carl, either Carl will be on or and TJ will be off, or TJ Weeks will be on and Carl will be off. TJ shot pretty well last night, 3 for 7 from 3. Carl shot 0 oh for 6. Um, but something that really intrigued me from last night was the emergence of DeAndre Dominguez because he, he was a guy that was recruited here, like known to be a stretch for or a stretch big and kind of high energy type of guy. If he can find himself a little bit of a role late in the season, and just add even more depth to UMass. That could be a very interesting piece, and in just in terms of shooting off the bench. And I'm really intrigued to see how well UMass shoots from behind the arc, because I feel like that will have to do a lot in terms of how successful they are in the postseason.
0: I agree. I think. I mean, you you saw last night DeAndre kind of had a coming out game where he goes for 15 points on only 18 minutes, and it's almost like. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He can stretch the floor, I think in in better ways than some. like yeah, Ronnie can hit threes when he's open, but it feels like DeAndre has a little more range with it and can kind of just just be a little more of a stretch four, more of more of a, a wing three than he is a four, I guess uh, in comparison to Ronnie. so you're right? Maybe that's something that we see some more some more playing time for DeAndre Dominguez. and we were talking about it on the first half how the starting lineup has been changing so much and what might be the ideal starting five now that Debaji's out of the mix. Maybe DeAndre is the guy that has to step up, but if he's going to do that, he's got to play really, really stout defense. It can't just be offensive production. It's a lot that has to go into that. Uh, but Kyle, I mean, is there anything else you're looking at in terms of the Minutemen before we go to a break here? Something that they might be trying to improve on?
3: Well, I think this game is going to be very, very big, and it's going to show where UMass is at. They had a tough loss against Richmond. Okay, forget about it. That's in the rearview mirror. You're going into St. Louis. They are 10-1 and 1 at home. They're a very lead home team so far. If you can go in there, you can beat them. It's a very big momentum booster to go on for the rest of the season and hopefully into the tournament.
0: Without a doubt. That's a very good point. Like This is the time where you're, we're trying to find any momentum, any wind you can get in your sails to carry it into the A-10 tournament. And we all know how it ended up last season. It's right there five minutes before the tip-off. And they waved things off against the VCU there where UMass is going to play. But we're about midway through this second half of the show. So we'll take a short break. we got some great topics coming up in the second half. Kind of got to look at where UMass might fall in the seating for the Atlantic 10 tournament. So don't go anywhere. Be right back after this. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com.
4: During these hard times, the UMass International Programs Office is still here to help students thinking about studying abroad. The deadline for 2021 spring semester study abroad applications is November 1st. Students can visit the virtual advising center at umass.edu slash IPO slash education abroad to begin exploring options for spring 2021, as well as for the 2021 to 2022 academic year. Once again, the site is umass.edu slash IPO slash education abroad welcome
0: back to the show umass basketball show episode 21 cam Seibert, kyle miller joey alaberti breaking down all the action for you and- Talking about how this matchup against St. Louis will be a big one, a big momentum opportunity for UMass to try to get something going before the tournament starts. We shift our attention towards that, the A10 tournament at the end of this year, and how, really, I mean, obviously, this year has been different than the rest. The seating and the way this thing is going to work has been different. Uh, a lot of teams haven't played as many as others, right? UMass has only played, what is it, six and three, nine games in conference compared to some other teams that have played a lot more. Uh, St. Louis, like we mentioned, four and four. They've only played eight games in conference, have dealt with some pauses. Everybody's dealt with a pause at some point. Uh, and I'm going to reference Michael Bergman here. Got to shout out Michael Bergman. He's doing a good job on Twitter. I would be struggling to figure out how a lot of these the seedings are going to work out. Um, I'm just going to read off a couple of his tweets. So even if UMass loses to St. Louis next Monday, they could still get a double buy if these three following things happen, Michael tweets. St. Bonaventure has to beat Davidson. Richmond has to beat St. Louis. Two things that could absolutely happen. VCU would have to beat Davidson. Another thing that really could happen. So even if UMass gets this loss against St. Louis on Monday, there's still a pretty viable possibility that they could still get a double bye, which I think is very interesting. And then if they were able to beat St. Louis, it actually, interestingly enough, makes for more complications. Now, all of a sudden, if they do beat St. Louis on Monday, St. Bonaventure would have to beat Davidson or VCU would have to beat Davidson or St. Louis would have to beat Richmond or St. Joe's would have to beat Richmond or St. Bonaventure loses two of three. Davidson, George Washington, and Dayton will be the last three opponents. So there's a lot of stuff that could happen here. But I think the main takeaway is even if UMass loses this game on Monday, there's still somewhat of a possibility they get the double bye uh, that I believe they got last year for the first time in a while, or at least the single bye. So I don't know. It's it's for me, it's like a lot to follow, I think, with all this stuff for any any season, not to mention COVID thrown into the mix and cancellations and postponements. I can't imagine what the the league is dealing with and, and trying to set this whole thing up. But what are your what are some of your takeaways from that? How important do you think it is that UMass maybe gets a buy or, or gets a better seating? Like, does that matter? Or I don't know. I almost feel like at times too, if if you don't have a whole lot of momentum going into the thing, playing in the first round, getting a win can be kind of helpful in a way where now you can start a little run towards the end of it and, and try to pull something out. But what are your thoughts uh, about how things might shake up at the end of the year before the tournament?
5: Yeah, Cam, I'm kind of with what you said in the second part of that, especially for UMass coming off of this long, another long break. I honestly think it would be helpful if they didn't get the double buy just in the sense that they can get some games under their belt. But at the same time, if they do get more games, that gives them more of an opportunity to lose. So it really, it, the double yeah, the A-10 is so volatile right now that I honestly think there's probably like eight teams that could potentially win this just because so much weird stuff has happened. Like LaSalle beat uh St. Louis, Fordham beat Dayton earlier in the year, and it's just everything's a mess. So I really think this could go in so many directions. Everyone is banking on a VCU, St. Bonaventure, Richmond, or St. Louis to kind of win it all, but. Right. Davidson and Dayton are are very good teams. Um, I, would, I would say those two are kind of in the second tier. UMass and Duquesne would probably be in that third tier. UMass could really light things up, though, if they kind of did what I was saying earlier. Trey Mitchell gets his rhythm back after coming back from injury. Say Carl and TJ are shooting really well from beyond the arc, and then Noah kind of gets back into his point guard role. They could make some real noise, but that's also asking for a lot at this time. So it is I don't, but I don't like think they can bank on it. I don't know.
0: I think it's so easy to agree with that though, Joe. There's so much offensive firepower that they can tap into. It's just a matter of getting things to click on the right at the right time altogether. Uh but Kyle, I'd love to hear what you think. I mean, does UMass want to get a bye? Do they want to maybe play some games early in the tournament to try to get their feet back under them after some of these pauses? What what are your some of your thoughts, I guess, and in, in the best way UMass could be set up for the tourney?
3: This is the beauty of college
4: basketball,
3: boys. Anything can happen. <laughs> Any team can win it. Um, if you're UMass right now, I think health is your biggest priority. You want to make sure Trey Mitchell is 100%. You want to make sure Noah Fernandez is 100%. And if those guys aren't 100% right now, I think you do want to get that double bye. But if not, there's been so many pauses so far this season for UMass. So stop and start. And it shows with Richmond. You know, they had a they were very rusty in that game. And I would hate for that they get the double buy, and then into that first game they show that same amount of rust. So I think that it's going to be very interesting. Let's hope. Let's hope that if they can get the double buy, great. But if they don't, it's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, and I, and to go back on the point you were, I like that that take Kyle. But to go back on Joey, what you were saying too, it's like going into this year the big conversation piece around the a10 was just how improved and how talented a lot of these teams are in the Atlantic Ten conference this year like it's really becoming more of a powerhouse conference for for basketball and you mentioned some of those names of the teams but you can go up and down the list uh, in this conference and pretty much every a lot of the teams have a chance at making a run at this thing like UMass falls into like second or maybe even borderline third tier of teams that's ridiculous for what we know uh, what this team is capable of. But you, you mentioned some of those names at the top, and it really is a 50-50 coin flip, it feels like, for a lot of these these matchups. And I'd love to get some some predictions, I guess, ahead of the tournament. And by the way, the tournament will be on March 3rd uh, through the 6th. It's at the Siegel Center in Virginia at VCU. Not that you can go or be there a person, but in case you're wondering about when, you might want to watch it. But still, so for predictions on who might come out at the top of this thing, I mean, if I was deleted off, I don't even know what I would say. It's it's pretty it's difficult. I think VCU being ten and three, I don't know if that's even that vindicative of how good of a team they are. I, I agree, like Nashawn Bones Island can can be a spark plug plug on any given night. Like if you have him hot, it's pretty much all you need if you're VCU. Then you got St. Bonaventure so much more well rounded. They have players in the inside and on the outside. They can get it done in a lot of different ways. Richmond, we got to see last night how methodical they can be and how kind of old fashioned their offense and and their play style can be just winning with the fundamentals and the bigs down low. Davidson is a team that can light it up from downtown. They have scores up and down the lineup, really stretch the floor. Well, UMass, similar to identity. Dayton obviously has a ton of experience and Jalen Crutcher leading the the charge. Duquesne, you mentioned St. Louis, tons of experience, like up and down the list, Rhode Island, even down there at seven and nine, you just never know if they could come alive and make a run at this thing. So I'm going to pose the question to you guys. Oh yeah. And let me, let me make my pick. I honestly think St. Bonaventure has a really good chance of this thing. If I was to put my money down, I'd probably throw it on the Bonnies just because of how mm. well-rounded uh, they are as a team. I think they can kind of get things done in a lot of different ways, but I mean, I know it's not easy. What would you guys kind of be looking at as a team to, to come out on top of the eight, 10 championship? Uh, you can go first, Kyle.
3: <laughs> uh, right. From, from me in the tough spot. All right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Joey's like, I may never go. Yeah, I have- yeah. Right. Uh,
3: Last possible <laughs> second. Um, right now, I like BCU a lot. They're um, hard-nosed game. They could score a lot. I like Dayton a lot. They they killed St. Louis. They they I think led the whole game. You know, UMass has a chance. St. Louis has a chance. There's just so many teams that if you go on a good run, they can take it all the way. And if they can, I think the team that can get the hot hand is the is the team that's going to win this championship.
0: Yeah, I get Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry to do it to you, Kyle, but I need a name. I
3: need a team here. One team.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go with VCU. Pull it out team. of a hat. All right, there you go. VCU, the high powered offense. I like that pick. I, I love watching Bone Tyler play. I mean, he is probably one of the most entertaining guys to watch, just the way he scores the ball. He's like Steph Curry range threes and that whole thing. He can drive, he can do it all. He was fun to watch him explode out of the seat as a freshman last year. Uh, but, Joe, we'll toss it over to you for this impossible decision. Yeah.
5: Yeah, Bones Highland is a very special talent, and I do agree with Kyle. I think it's probably just going to be like Duquesne or something. Once we all make our picks, obviously that's not my pick, but like this is—it's just such a weird year for the A10. Everyone's beating everyone, and it just—I don't. It's very odd. But I'd say Richmond, just for the fact that they do have like four of their five starters being seniors, and then Tyler Burton's a really good wing, and then their bench isn't anything prolific, but. It's it's okay, and I think the, the starting five can really carry them through their tournament because that starting five is just so well-rounded, especially if Blake Francis, who dropped 17 points in the first half, can just get going from three. You have Jacob Gilliard, who's he's, he's good for three steals a night at the least. And then you have Nathan Kao and Grant Golden, who just kind of dominate down low. Grant Golden making uh, Mark Gasparini look pretty silly last night, and then Nathan Kao... Um, kind of did his, did his thing against Trey Mitchell and then the other big. So I think Richmond would be my pick. They were my pick at the beginning of the year too, just because of how experienced they are and how okay. they were yeah, last year. We're so I I guess I'd say Richmond.
0: Trying to stay consistent with the pick from earlier in the year. I yeah, respect I, that. I, I And I respect the pick in general, Joe. I think they just to kind of have their identity in place, they know what to expect out of themselves when they go out on the court. I think to draw it back to UMass, it's somewhat of a fear I have when I hear you talking about R- Richmond as your pick. It's like this game against St. Louis is really, really important. I know Trey Mitchell and might not be as healthy as he wants to be, but like if you want to make a run at this thing, we all know it. Like let's push the the BS to the side. Like Trey Mitchell really has to to step up, right? Like he's got to be mm-hmm. the guy for UMass. We know that's when they're at their best. So I think just to see how he plays against St. Louis and whether or not he can kind of be back towards full strength is going to be really important. He got into foul trouble last night early too. I don't think that helped anything, uh, some silly mistakes. So I just really, I hope hopefully they can get some, some practice underneath their belt this week and be ready to go for that St. Louis game, try to grab some momentum like we're talking about and bring it into the tourney. Because like we're saying, anybody can win it, really. Anybody can win it. And I truly believe UMass is in that same category. They have the offense to get it done. If everybody's kind of clicking at the same time, Think about it, like you said, Carl and TJ. You're right. It seems like when one guy's playing good, the other isn't. If both of them could be playing well, if you got Trey Mitchell doing stuff down low, you got Noah chipping in, like yeah, you know, like everybody really can throw in uh, their effort to the to the to the table, and it, it can come together and culminate in a really great great showing for UMass. We just have to kind of wait and see if they can get it there, come time of the tournament. But getting down towards the end, I don't know if there's anything else you guys wanted to get off the chest, uh, maybe about UMass or about St. Louis or anything going into the tournament, any of it. Um, before we start to wrap things up, was there anything anybody had to say? Get it off your chest now.
3: Um, as you said with um, Trey Mitchell, I just want to you know hammer that point down. This team is going to go as far as Trey Mitchell takes them.
0: Yeah, I think that's the great, the way to put it right there, much more concise fashion than me. <laughs> Joe, anything else
5: before we round things up? Uh, um, no. I would just say watch. I'm I'm really intrigued down the stretch for UMass to watch the depth of UMass because the two most, the two biggest standouts in the past two games have been Cairo and DeAndre, and they were really, they were virtually non-factors at the beginning of the season. So being able to kind of implement the two freshmen into the postseason could be really interesting, not only for this year, but kind of to boost them forward for next year. And you know, I'm I'm very excited to start, I guess I'm getting way too ahead of myself, but I'm very excited to start talking about the future of this Atlantic 10 conference. Certainly has a bright one at that. I, I
0: definitely agree with you there, but we'll go ahead and round things out. I think it was a really great show. Appreciate everybody that came on in the first half. And for you guys in the second half, love the conversation. Hope the folks out there enjoyed listening and we'll try to keep these things rolling along as this is episode 21. We'll Definitely be back in the future. And again, got to thank the sponsors to Hot Table Panini and Delivery Express. Thanks so much, as always. Definitely check them out on their websites, hottable.com and deliveryexpress.com. Really, really great companies offering some great service. So other than that, that's going to do it for UMass Basketball Show Episode 21. As always, hope everybody out there is staying safe, staying healthy. And we'll, we'll get ready for UMass to get back after it on Monday against St. Louis. That's right before the tournament where they travel straight from St. Louis. Virginia to play in the A10 championship, but I'll get off the mic here before I, while well, I still can. So thanks so much for everybody tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace.